chorus one more time, Sam.
Hallelujah. I just need you to take a moment and meditate on his presence. We know that in his presence is the fullness of all that he is. In his presence is healing and deliverance. In his presence is love and joy. We just need to embrace him just a moment and enjoy who he is to us. Hallelujah. Thank you. There's ever been a time when we need to be in his presence, it's now. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Lord. today that you were able to make your way out. I understand that we have had several people who were afflicted by this new variant, which prompts me to tell you that you need to make sure that you don't let your guard down. Amen. See, this is proof positive of how the devil works in our lives. If you get distracted, stop doing what you were doing. Immediately he comes in and he launches an attack. So let this be a lesson to you. Amen. Follow the protocols and let's be safe. Amen. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles this morning. I want you to go with me to the book of Acts, the book of Acts, Acts chapter one. Over the next several weeks, I'm going to talk to you more about the Holy Spirit than you have ever heard in your entire life. <laughs> Amen. But I got to warn you before we get to it, which will probably really be next week. We're going <laughs> you're going to find that what you know, you really don't know. Amen. But you will know the truth. Amen. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1. Let's look at uh, verses 4 through 8. The Bible says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let me read that last verse again and see if you can get some clues as to what it says. 
it says, but you shall receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then he tells us why. So you can be what? Witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit's not for your exploits, but to be Amen. Here's the thought I want you to keep in your head today as we go through it. It's simply called the interim. Okay, that's too. <laughs> that's the time between Christ's resurrection and his ascension. Is that all right? <laughs> I thought I was being cute, but just, I see y'all don't do cute. <laughs> you can be sick. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Now, uh, it begins this way. Luke starts to explain why he had to write Acts. Uh, Y'all know Luke wrote Acts. Amen. Okay. All right. And the reason that he did that is because the Gospels left us in a, a strange place. Jesus died. And the Bible teaches us that when he died, uh, he resurrected, and the Bible says he was seen after that. But the gospels stop at that point. They don't tell us what happened after his resurrection. Amen? So Luke found it necessary to, 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 to do the first part of Acts by explaining what was happening in the interim. And, and what Luke was saying here is basically that they were assembled together, and when they said they were assembled together, it doesn't mean that uh, somebody called a meeting. What it means is that they were scourged. Come on. They were hiding. But the meeting was a call meeting, even though it wasn't called. And the reason I say it was called and it wasn't called is because Jesus, if you look at the, the proper tense of what he said, he assembled them together. They didn't know that that's what was happening, but he assembled, assembled them together. So he had something that he wanted to share with them, and that was the reason for the assembly. And what he told them is that, listen, after I go back to the Father, you're going to have to continue what I started in the Gospels. The work of the Gospels must be continued because it's not a finished work. But there was an issue that they had to deal with. Jesus understood that uh, if he had stayed, he could not be everywhere all the time. So it was necessary that he go back to the Father. And he told them that after he uh, goes back to the Father, that they would receive the promise. Now we can look at this a couple of ways. He said that you receive the promise, but the, the promise is power. Now in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, the Bible says, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So he said the promise brings power if you receive it. Amen. Amen. And the Bible goes on to say, now let me give you some other scriptures in John chapter 14, verse 16. He said, and I pray the father will give you another helper 
that he may abide with you forever. And the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be, uh, uh, and will be in you. Now, this is, this is important because up to this point, the Holy Spirit had not indwelt anyone. All right? And keeping in mind where we are, because a lot of people believe they got their salvation in the Gospels, and it's not. And you're getting quiet on me. All right. Okay. John chapter 14, verse 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So verse 26 makes it clear that you hadn't got it, even though it was given to you. But he's going to make sure that you remember that I gave it to you. (laughs) You followed all that? Y'all good. <laughs> so the Bible goes on to say this. He said that uh, he began to explain to them that John baptized with water. His baptism was for repentance. His baptism was for repentance. And the reason that John baptized with water, it was symbolic of the cleaning up of the saints so that the saint could be ready to receive the Messiah. So you were not saved by John's baptism. But you were sanctified by it. In other words, you were set apart so when the Savior arrived, you would be ready to receive it. Amen. Now, keep in mind, uh, okay, let's see here. This is where I go off. Let me see if this is a safe place. <laughs> All right. Well, let me continue in that, and then I'll come go, go to the thought that I wanted to share with you. So John baptized so that people could start to get themselves together and get their focus on the fact that the Messiah was coming. And when people began to focus on the Messiah's coming, they began to prepare. It's almost like uh, if they called you up and told you that the president was coming to your house for a visit, then you would hopefully clean up the house. Hopefully. No, there'd be some people say, well, it's my house. You had to take it as it is. I ain't clean. Well, I mean, that's ignorant. Yeah. No, that's ignorant. Amen. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what happened was after John's baptism, Jesus explained that there was another baptism coming and that baptism was uh, with power. Now, it says baptize uh, with fire. And a lot of people think that there's something about the symbolization and the lightning, you know, thing that means fire. It doesn't. It is symbolism. What it means is, is that fire has the tendency to burn out all the dross. 
So if it's baptized with fire, it cleans you up completely because Jesus is not going to dwell in an unclean vessel. So therefore, there must be a baptism of fire. Are we still there? Amen. So in, in that meeting, he explained to him, you need to tarry. In other words, you, you stay here until the power comes. Whew. Now, most of us can't stay in place until your change comes. What happens to us is that when we get something, we make it everything. Now, I, can I explain? <laughs> we get a little bit, a touch of the Holy Spirit and think we got the whole ball of wax. Amen. We start prophesying, laying on the hand, speaking in tongues. Amen. Doing all kinds of stuff because we have been visited with some power. But here's the problem. The problem is that when he says that you are endued with power, it does not mean that you have power that has been activated. Now you have the power. Now the original church, and I'm way ahead of myself, but I'm going to just move over there so y'all stay with me. In Acts chapter 2, when the church was initiated, there were signs that indicated the power of God. And for some reason or another, we got hung up on the fact that people were speaking in other tongues. And we saw that as an indication of the Holy Spirit. So now, if, if, if we believe a person does not speak in tongues, he does not have the Holy Spirit. That's not true. You receive the Holy Spirit when you are saved. At the moment of your conversion, you receive the Holy Spirit. You may or may not speak in tongues. Oh, see, I say I was going to wait till next week, right? But let me just. We need to understand that when the Bible uh, talks about the church uh, uh, being initiated, it did not say they spoke in unknown. It said other. Okay. So when you run around talking about he cometh on the Chevrolet. <laughs> don't nobody know what you're talking about. <sighs> I'm trying to not move ahead of where I need to be. So the Bible says that uh, uh, to be effective, this, this, this baptism that he's talking about had to, to be accompanied by an inward change of attitude and a change of life. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. It changes what's on the inside, not what's on the outside. John made you stop cussing. But Jesus stopped you from wanting to cuss. You understand? Uh, okay. Somebody say, I ain't got that yet. Uh, <laughs> John's baptism did not give salvation. It prepared a person to welcome the coming of the Messiah and to receive his Messiah. Amen? Now, Matthew chapter uh, 3, verse 11 says this. John said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. 
but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay? So the Bible says then that uh, Paul, then when he teaches this, Paul said the Spirit had endowed us to constitute a body. Oh, this gets really hard for most of us. So he says that the Holy Spirit then, his main function was to make us proper witnesses. Mm -hmm. But then you had to be, oh, here it is. You had to then become a part of the body of Christ. I'm trying to say this in a nice way, and I don't know any nice way to say it, because any way I say it, people are going to misconstrue what I'm saying. What I'm saying is uh, that in Acts chapter 2, the last verse says that as many as were saved were added to the church. Amen. Saved, added to the church. Saved, added to the church. Saved, added to the church. Why he keeps saying that? Because I understand a lot of people think they can be saved, Holy Ghost filled, and never have anything to do with the church. There's probably someone watching right now online, and that's why I say I have to be careful because they say, well, I don't need no church, you know. You know, unsaved people can't speak proper English. <laughs> I'm, te I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But when Paul says this, he uses 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I need you to turn there real quick. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says this. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. All right. Now, I'm going to skip way down because I don't need you to know all of that. What I need you to see in uh, verse 7, he says, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. We're talking about the body of Christ. Let me say that one more time. The manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Who is the all he's talking about? The church. Body of believers. Okay? Verse 8 says, For one is given the word. Well, you know all of these, right? So, verse 11 says, Okay, and I'm trying to skip through this so I can get to where I need to be. Verse 11 says, But one and the same Spirit works all of these. One and the same Spirit works all of these. The Holy Spirit works all, the Holy Spirit works all the gifts. Y'all still with me? But he says he distributes, here it is, to each one individually as he wills. All right. So if we were building a house, and let's call it a spiritual house. What he's saying is to each one is giving an assignment, and he will distribute gifts to the, you need uh, contractor, you need uh, a plumber, you need an electrician, a carpenter, uh, and they may all be one person. They, it, but they're individual. Uh, 
So what he's saying here is in verse 12, he says, for as the body is one, one church. This is a local part of the universal church. He says that it has many members. Hmm? But he says, but all members of that one uh, of that one body being many are one body. We are still one church. So we have one church and then we have an assignment for that church that has to be carried out by the members of the body of that church. That's why everybody can't be a this or that or the other, because then it gets confusing. Now look at verse 13, for by one spirit, the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit. Amen? So the function of the Holy Spirit uh, in Acts when we talk about the church, when it was a church that was uh, a church built on commonality, is then explained by Paul as he tells us in 1 Corinthians that all of these things that you see in church and all these gifts are for the edifying of the body. In Ephesians, Paul, he then identifies specific gifts given to the church. You know, the, the the five, four, whichever y'all do it, full ministry is given for the building up of the body. But the, two, the New Testament church has a problem in the sense that most people believe that the Holy Spirit then comes so you can speak in tongues. And if that's what you believe, the tendency is to overuse that gift. In immature churches, in immature, not y'all, not y'all. In immature churches, people speak in tongues all the time out of order without any interpretation. Now, I don't know how I got out here, but I got to finish it so I can move back. <laughs> Go to chapter 14. Remember what Paul started as he said, no, I would not have you what? Hmm. Verse 14, uh, verse one of chapter 14 says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Now, we just finished looking. Well, no, we didn't just finish, but if you get to 14, you know you had to read the love chapter. And, and the Bible says, pursue love, that's why he started here, and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, this is where people got off because once that was read, they think, I have the Holy Spirit and I have the gift of prophecy, so I'm going to speak, whether I'm speaking English or speaking in tongues. Amen. But verse 2 says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men. Hold it. That means when you're doing that, you ain't talking to me. 
That's why the exercise of that gift out of order creates a problem for the body. Are you following me? So when people rattle off, you know, two or three minutes of speaking in tongue and then sit down, somebody need to. Anyway, we can't do that because it's against the law. But you understand what I'm saying? Huh? <laughs> Help me, Holy Spirit. But the Bible says this. It says uh, it speaks to God for no one understands him. Now, everybody understands you. They understand that you got a little something going on. And it's not the spirit of God. Now, if you go through the list of gifts, not, not now, because I, I, I shouldn't be out here. Out of all the gifts Paul lists, the majority are speaking gifts. And why do we have so many speaking gifts? Well, there's a number of reasons, but the first and most important is that faith comes by and hearing by. But if you're speaking the word of God in tongues, now here's the other thing about that speaking gifts. The reason that people misuse misuse the speaking gifts so uh, frequently is that because speaking gifts don't have any accountability. Look at y'all. No. You can say what you want to say and say, well, the spirit of the Lord says. Are you? Proverbs 18, 21, Proverbs 18, 21. Somebody get it. Please read it. Proverbs 18, 21. That's all you need to read. What does it say? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You are accountable for what you say. And what you say has more importance than anything else you will ever do as a believer. That's why you can't misuse a speaking gift. You either speak life or death. Listen to me. If you speak to a person in a certain manner, you can cause their spiritual demise. How many times does somebody said something to somebody and they say, I ain't never going back to that church? Because of what the person said. Are y'all still with me? And I, I took that long detour because I need you to understand that when, when we start talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, the first thing that the Bible says, and it says very specifically, there is no gray area, there is no misunderstanding. He says that after you receive the Holy Spirit, you shall be witnesses. I must be speaking in tongues. Can somebody interpret what I just said? 
Acts, let's go back to Acts. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Verse 8, one more time. Acts chapter 1. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be Now, watch this. I'm going to bring it back now. What does a witness do? It testifies of the truth. <laughs> this went south fast, boy. <laughs> a witness testifies. Now, a witness cannot testify in word only. There must be a deed. Are y'all listening to me? When we testify to something we have not had a personal encounter with, it is in the law hearsay. And hearsay does not have the power to affect change. And see, what we're doing now is we are usually uh, witnessing to something we, does not, we do not have firsthand eyewitness knowledge of. Now, Pastor... You can't say that about me because I, I know what my testimony is. Well, let's go back to. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm taking a, a detour here again. No, I'm remembering something my son told me. He said, you know, you don't have to say it all at one time that you can stop and tell some more of it next week. <laughs> so. So I'm going I'm to make a, 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 look, a sweep around the bases so I'm headed home. Not that I'm finished, but I'm looking at the clock and I want to get into this and, and I don't know how I can finish it, you know, and do what I need to do. Now, where did I, where did I leave off taking that detour? Y'all don't even remember, do you? <laughs> now, here it is. Listen, listen. When you give testimony in a court of law, it is always subject to cross-examination. In the church, we call that apologetics. I want to know how you know that. I, I want to know how you know. Now, that's why you're blessed, because <laughs> you're in a church we're going to tell you how you know you know. <laughs> so what the Bible teaches us is that when we become witnesses, and the word witness in the Greek is martyr, which means that I would take this truth to my grave. 
So when the Bible says that he sent us a, a, a helper, a comforter, the Bible says that that comforter is to make us courageous. Amen. Look it up now. The original meaning of comfort was courage. So it makes us courageous. What does that mean? It gives me the ability to speak the truth without fear. Amen. Bible calls the Holy Spirit the paracletus, someone who is called alongside of us. So I know that I got a partner whenever I'm getting ready to tell you something. I don't have to be scared about it because he's going to fight. All right. So when I become a witness, then what I'm saying to you is that I'm willing to put my life on the line for what I believe. Amen. Now, one of, the, one of the properties of the Holy Spirit is to make you, here it is, write this word down, loyal. Amen. You can tell if you have the Holy Spirit by whether you are steadfast and movable or I think we call it in the street, wishy-washy. Yes. <laughs> How many times? <laughs> no, I'm not coming down. How many times have you changed what you knew to be right Because somebody influenced you to change. Now, two more things and then I'm, I'm going to stop here. Thing number one. The Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter five. Uh, Y'all know the scripture, but. Let's go there for just a tad bit. Uh, Galatians chapter 5. Everybody knows the scripture. Bible says in verse 16, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. All right. Now, you know what the works of the flesh are. So he gives them all to you. Right. But then in verse 22, here's what he says. But the fruit of the spirit is, and then you see what's listed there. But here's what you don't quite seem to be able to put into practice is that the Bible says that these things, when the Bible says they're the fruit of the spirit, it does not mean that it is the fruit that the Holy Spirit gives you, but it is the fruit that you produce because you have the Holy Spirit. Can I say that one more time? It's the fruit you produce because of the Holy Spirit in you. So here's how you check. This is the test. This is the exam. This is the midterm or the final. He says, do you love? And I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> if you have the Holy Spirit, no, not if you have the fruit. No, if you have the Holy Spirit, the first thing that you have the ability to Amen. Hmm? 
You cannot, and I'm not going any further with that. I'm just going to move on. You can't be an effective witness if you don't know how to love folk. Y'all said it? And see, this is where we run into a situation where now uh, we, have to, we have to say, we say, well, uh, but I love the Lord. Yes, that's a wonderful thing. That is, oh, that's just terrific. That's just terrific. But when Jesus was talking to Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? Me. Do you understand this? The Bible teaches, and, and again, I haven't gotten there, but when I do, I'll, that the church is founded on fellowship. Yes. Now, if you can't love, no way you can. So it makes it impossible to do church. Amen? Now, <laughs> let me make myself a note. I need to stop here, right? <laughs> Oh, God, this is such good stuff. Mm. <laughs> Start here. Page two. That's that where I am, page two. Now, how do, we, how do we get out there? Let me tell you how we get out there. Anytime you start to talk about the Holy Spirit, there is no lack of information. Here's the problem, and I'm closing with this one. We, as saints of God, try to spiritualize the Holy Spirit when we need to understand it naturally so we can apply it to our lives. Now, I told, I, I told my wife the other day about this. I said, you know what? Uh, people have these phones, these smartphones. And the smartphone makes you dumb because now you can't remember your name. You don't know nothing without the phone. And when you lose the phone, you panic because everything you got is. And we do the same thing when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We spiritualize it. Here's what I mean when I say we spiritualize. It. We say stuff like, well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me but I'm living like a heathen. So you think that you have that power active in you, even though, even though you're not producing any fruit that says you have the spirit. And because you don't, you don't do anything that represents the kingdom. Then you think that you are prophesying or you're praying or you're laying hands, and it's effective. It's not. Because in, it, it, it just, what folks say, just plain old horse sense. You should know that the very first thing you need to do to, if you're a child of God and, quote, you have the Holy Spirit, is you need to grow up. Yes. Amen, 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 amen. saints, immature saints practice witchcraft. Always trying to make something work. Mm -hmm. 
Here's how, here's, how, here's how they do that. Here's how they do it now. Because I don't want you, as folks say, I don't want you to be ignorant. They say stuff like, well, the Bible says that you have to do this and that and the other. Hmm? That plain old witchcraft. You're going to make me do something because you use the Bible on me and you're supposed to scare me, right? Y'all ain't never met any heathens, apparently. Huh? Amen. When I was a heathen, I was a heathen of the first grade. Class one. Huh? I made an A on every test. You can't scare me with no scripture. But I can tell you something that works all the time. Huh? A witness. Somebody says to me, they don't have to be talking about me. They're telling their story. That story witnesses to me. And I see myself in that story. And I go, oh, my God. Every now and then somebody will say this to me. You talking about me? And I say, yep. Because they, they, they saw themselves in it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop. I'm stopping right here. <laughs> and we'll pick it up next week. Come on, stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet. Hallelujah. The interim Next week, part two. <laughs> I might not have changed your mind, but I certainly got your mind working this morning. Oh, wait a minute now. <laughs> Hold on here. I know he didn't say that. No, I'm going to have to check that out because that can't be right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen to me. The Bible was very clear when Jesus said this and, and, uh, in John chapter 16, he said that I'll bring all things to your remembrance. People are always talking about how they don't remember that they said this or they did that. That's a perfect indication that you don't have the Holy Spirit. Amen. I said I was through, didn't I? What? I don't recall that. Now you're doing two things. You're lying and blaspheming. <laughs> now, what we need to do is come to the place that first, that we remember that, Kai, how can I say this? Jesus lived in two dispensations. When he talked about the kingdom, he talked about law in the Old Testament. He talked about grace in the New Testament. And the Bible says that for just a short period of time during the Gospels, the two were working side by side. That's why Jesus could say, uh, hey, guys, we're going to celebrate the Passover. That's the law. But he kept the law perfectly. You understand this? So. What we're saying is that because we, live in, uh, uh, we lived in two dispensations, 
not dispensation, that's probably not the right word, to heirs of the kingdom. Uh, we need to understand that when Jesus died on the cross, he said these words, it is finished. 